Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. We are so happy you could join us. Next, you will be hearing a message from Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. To learn more about the Lighthouse, visit their website at grenadachurch.com. Now, on to the message. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I under the world. Let's pray to our Father. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus, Father, and I'm asking you for a few moments that you would anoint me to speak, Lord, to minister your word without fear nor favor. As we walk away from this today, Lord, I pray we take your word and let it be hid in our heart, Lord, to give us food for this journey of life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, and we say amen. No matter where you turn to in the Bible, you're going to come to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ on every page. Even in the genealogies, you'll come to the cross. And the book of Galatians that lays before us is no exception. The cross looms very large in its message and its argument. And Paul knew all well the sufficiency of Christ's death, and therefore it is the dominating theme of the book of Galatians. When Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished, Paul comes behind him and declares what is finished. Although Christ said that from the cross, at that time they heard it, they still had no meaning in the Holy Spirit brings to Paul the meaning of it is finished. It brings to the fullness and completeness of what was declared there at the cross. And Paul leaves no doubt what was provided by Christ's death and the shedding of his blood. Now, the Holy Spirit in our modern times has been reduced to a feel-good or that goosebumps we get in a good worship service. And there's nothing wrong with that. But in reality, the Holy Spirit is ever seeking to drive home in the hearts of the human race the value of Calvary by means of the written Word. Our condition is so desperate that nothing short of Christ's work on the cross can help us. Nothing. And the reason mankind will not see this is because as a whole, the human race has lost sight of the awfulness of sin. And the devil has so numbed people that sin now means very little. It's easy to speak of a misjudgment or we had an accident or we didn't mean to do this. It's just a little mistake. But until we can say like David the psalmist, against thee I have sinned, Lord. Against thee I have sinned. We will never understand the gravity of our sin. Now, preaching the cross in its entirety does not bring popularity. If a preacher wants to court the favor of the world, I suggest that he don't preach the cross. If he wants to court the favor of the world, let him keep silent about the blood of Jesus. Let him say nothing significant about the death of Christ upon the cross from the pulpit. Jesus dying is is repulsive to the flesh because his death is a uh, his death is a blow to human pride 
despite what the world thinks or feels, the cross is the divine magnet which God uses to draw men by the means of the Holy Spirit into God's kingdom. Now, many modernists say that preachers of the cross make too much of the cross. And that, to me, that is just demonic. It, it truly is. It was Jesus hanging there on that cross that could meet the demands to satisfy a holy God. And that and that alone. He could do so fully because He was God in the flesh. And, and before I go any further, before I get to the points of this sermon, when, when I say the cross, I'm not talking about wooden beams nailed at right angles that satisfy God. The wooden cross was only the instrument used by man in connection with the death of our Lord. So now this morning, we're going to look at the places the cross of Galatians covers. Number one, it was a place of substitution. If you, if you got your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. We're going to be there in, in Galatians the whole time of this sermon. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. Now, Paul brings out the idea of substitution at the very beginning of Galatians. And I said that, number one, this is a place of substitution. Without apology, Paul makes it very clear that Jesus was the sinner's substitute. How could it be any clearer that the cross was the price for our sins? If we don't see this, His work is meaningless. Every one of us needs this personal truth in our life. I was such a sinner that only the cross of Calvary could deliver me. Only that work. It took God to stand in as my substitute because that's how awful my sin was before Him. Christ, we get this mixed up. Christ did not die for our righteousness. That's not what He died for. I understand we're made righteous after we're cleansed by the blood and that's how we can enter into His kingdom. But that's not what Christ died for. He died for our sins. And why? The answer's right there in verse 4. To deliver us from this present evil world. God is not trying to make you comfortable here on this earth. He's not trying to make this your home. This, this world system and what it is. And I know much of the church that we've been programmed that we don't want to hear this anymore. That's why the old hymns are being taken out of the church. Listen to the lyrics when we sing them. Uh, we're going to have troubles here on this earth. And we're here just for a short time, and God is not trying to make you comfortable while you're here. Of course He's going to bless you while you're here. Of course He's going to take care of your need. The Bible says, I've never seen His uh, seed begging for bread. But yet, still in that... He's trying to deliver you from this evil world. He's trying to get you out of this world system. God wants to free you from this world. Now, Calvary was also a place of identification. If you look in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, now Christ not only died for us, He died as us. Paul realized this and declared, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet I live. Not, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live what? By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul understood that when Jesus died, 
the believer that puts faith in that finished work also dies with Christ. When Jesus arose, here's the beautiful thing, not only do you die though, but you rise now in fullness and power. You're resurrected into a new life. Now, this teaching of identification may seem difficult to understand, but in actuality, you're not called to break it down and understand every aspect of it of why God did this and what was His reasoning. You're called to believe it. And, you know, when I first got saved and, and, and I didn't understand the cross, failure was at my doorstep every time that I opened my eyes. Every day, I felt like I was complete failure as a Christian. I, I'm saved. I know I am. I know, I know that I was glorious saved, but why do I keep failing? And then when I started understanding this message of the cross, when I started believing, let me change that. When I started believing it, that's a much better word. I didn't understand every aspect of it like I do now. I don't think I'll ever come to the place that I understand every single aspect of the cross. I remember one preacher said that it's like a tree. If you go out every day and pick fruit from it every day of your life, you'll never get all that fruit. It's inexhaustible. We can't make too much of the cross. But as you believe it, as you believe, yes, Jesus was my substitute. And I'm identified with Him. He died not only for me, but as me. When I'm placed into that death, this, this supernatural thing begins to happen. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in you, and you see things as God sees them. You start realizing the desperate situation you're in with sin, and the Holy Spirit provides you the power to start overcoming. It's no wonder that Paul wrote, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And really, it, it goes back to what he wrote in Romans by the renewing of your mind. You begin to think different. Your, your values are different. What you want to do is different. You don't go to the same old places. You don't have the same old friends. Amen? I've told this story many times, but some of you hadn't heard it. When I first got saved, I started understanding the cross. I remember one of my old cohorts, one of the people I used to run around with, showed up at my house. And I'm sitting on the porch, and I break, he asked me if I had anything. Now, you read between the lines on that. I said, I sure do. And I began to break down the message of the cross for him. And I don't remember what happened. Years had passed by. I had to run inside. I said, I'll be right back. He jumped in that car and tore out that driveway sideways, and I hadn't seen him since. Amen? Because my friends changed. There, when you come to Calvary and you get saved, you're not on the same journey as the world. You're taking a different road. Well, Brother Wilson, I'm not perfect. Well, you're in the same boat as every other Christian. Amen. You're on a journey to change, and God will change you every day of your life if you'll remember this. He, Jesus Christ was your substitute. And now, you're identified with Him. The cross is a place of clarity. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. This has turned into a little bit of a Bible study. 
O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Seductive influence had reached their way into the church at Galatia, and Paul caught word of it. And he writes this letter. Now, if you'll notice as you study Galatians, this is one church he didn't hold anything back. Now, when he said those words, who's bewitched you? Those were some very stern words. That would be the equivalent of me looking at a Christian going, what devil has got into you? I thought I explained this very clearly about Christ and Him crucified. I haven't been gone that long. And all of a sudden, you've let some demon in the church preaching something totally contrary to what I taught you. Those were very harsh words. And they were trying to minimize Christ's death. And nothing has changed. Since the cross, this has been happening to the church since it was birthed in the book of Acts. That day that Peter stood up and gave the inaugural address of the church, the same thing has been happening time after time after time. Paul gave this message so very clear and it, it, the message is singular. It's Christ in Him crucified and nothing else. And it gave such clarity to us in the church and the instruction is clear. There's no other thing you can take away from Paul's teachings. The only thing you can do with Paul's teachings is either accept them or throw them out the door. That's all you can do. It is very clear what Paul preached. Matter of fact, he said... But I preach Christ and Him crucified. He said that I'm determined not to know anything among you save Christ and Him crucified. You think about those words. Of, of all the knowledge that Paul had, and Paul was a very smart man. He spoke seven languages. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was recognized for his authority in God's Word. And this is what he said. I'm determined not to know anything, nothing, among you except Christ and Him crucified. So what does that tell the church? What should we be preaching? I think it's pretty clear. We should be preaching Christ and Him crucified. If what you're listening to anywhere, I don't care where you're getting your word from, if they do not preach Christ and Him crucified for your sanctification and your salvation, obviously, you ought to get away from it. You're wasting your time and you're letting people who are bewitched into your life and into your home. Well, Brother Wilson, I've I went to that church for 50 years or I've listened to that ministry on TV and I've supported them for I don't know how long. It doesn't matter. Family is not going to save you. That TV ministry you love so well and I'm not thinking of a single one. I'm just making a statement. If, if they do not preach Christ and Him crucified, you're giving your money and time to a wrong direction. I don't care who they are. If they do not preach this singular message with clarity that it is Christ only and what He has accomplished at Calvary, my friend, you're just wasting your time. In Paul's day, the problem that they were having at Galatia was circumcision. We're grown adults. We know what circumcision is. I don't have to explain that. 
But today, it's no different. There's always some dangerous preacher that wants to add things like baptism, church membership, or some work to the finished work of Christ. As much as I want to see every one of you in church, I still see preachers taking a wrong direction with church attendance. Oh, if you'll believe in Christ and make sure you attend church and make sure you give and make sure you're baptized in water, then God will love you. Then God will begin to work in your life. And that's just wrong. Once again, thank you for listening to our broadcast. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Now, we ask you to help us keep bringing great Pentecostal messages to the world. Join us in our effort to reach the lost by supporting this ministry with a generous offering. We cannot do this unless people just like you give to help cover the costs. On the home page, click on how you can help. There you can give by credit card, debit card, or e-check. Let the Lord bless you and use you in your giving. Now, back to the message. Those things that I just mentioned, baptism and giving and church attendance and prayer and reading your Bible, those things come from a heart that's right with the Lord. When you know where your faith should be, when your faith is resting in that finished work, nobody has to tell you. The preacher doesn't have to call you and, and remind you of these things. Why? Because what will happen, the Holy Spirit will start knocking on your heart's door. Saying, uh-uh, you know better. Don't do that. Or that th maybe you're doing something right. He'll remind you, that's right. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's how the Spirit of God works. Those good works come from understanding what the finished work is. We're not crucified with Christ by trying. You can't try hard enough to earn this. This tears up religious people. I'll give you a great example was me. When I got in the church, here's that old dope head that used to run the neighborhood. And here I come along, and after one Sunday, I'm saved, baby. How could he be? He's that old rotten person that was causing problems in our community. And God says, I declared him innocent. God said, that finished work has got you where you need to be. Amen. Yes, I have to keep on this walk. Yes, I have to grow. Yes, I have to continue to place my faith daily in the finished work of Christ. But that moment you're saved, this is instant. Watch it. can't snap my fingers like I used to. It's instant work. It's finished. It's done. There's nothing left for you to do. Sure, good works are going to come behind it. But for you trying to earn something, that's finished. That's why Christ declared it is finished. You don't have to labor with your hands anymore. You don't have to get up and do anything. Christ has done it all. There's so much liberty in the finished work of Christ. This makes me jump for joy. I, some of the best converts in the world are drug addicts and Catholics. Why? Because when you figure out what freedom you have in Christ, and what He can take away out of your life and replace it with new things, it is a joy. Don't think that that drug head or that alcoholic is doing those things because they get some kind of joy out of it sometimes. Sometimes they're just bound by addiction and they don't know how to get out of it. And they're hurting on the inside looking for answers. 
Don't think that those religious people are going because they love some type of thing like sitting in a booth and, and, and talking to somebody and hoping their sins will be forgiven. They don't know any better. and they, Maybe they've never heard the message. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Maybe they're looking for answers. I was. I was that drug head that was doing the drugs and looking for an answer to get out of it because I wasn't enjoying myself and what I was doing. So next time you see that person bound by addiction, instead of cursing them, maybe tell them about the life-changing message of the cross. Because you can do more harm with the words you say. This is the perfect time to talk about the place of a curse. Galatians 3 and 13. Paul said this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of law being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, the law is the Ten Commandments which God gave to Moses. That's the law. In a nutshell, just to keep it simple this morning, that is the law. The Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses, God said these are the ten basic moral laws. They have not been done away with, but it's a different way of keeping them. When God gave His law, He didn't say do the best you can. And if you do okay, I'll accept you into heaven. That's not how the Ten Commandments work. It's not uh, a la carte. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> it's not a menu. You can pick which ones you like. I know y'all smiling. I'm not known for my great oral, oral capabilities. I've got hillbilly for days in me. <laughs> but it's not a menu that you can pick from. You can't say, oh, I like number one, three, and ten. I don't know what those are off the top of my head, but I'll keep those and not worry about the rest. That's not the way it works. It's all ten or nothing. If you break the law in one point, Paul said, if you break the law in one point, that's it. It's over. That, that, could you imagine that? If you had to live by the law, you got the Ten Commandments for them, and you did really good until you're about 50 years old, you broke one commandment, and that's it. It's all done, as far as God is concerned. And the law must be kept continually, not just sometimes. And, it, and it's much more than keeping the golden rule. People think that if I do good, if I keep that golden rule, I'm safe. And I'm okay. And let's just say hypothetically you are a great person. And let's say you do right to your brothers and sisters around you. And really we can't see anything or you know yourself there's not a sin one you're committing. The Ten Commandments say you're guilty. It's, it's far beyond human capability and God knew this. There's no loopholes. There's no way of escaping penalties when you fail to keep the law. Failing to keep the law brings a curse. It's what it brings. Without Christ as your Savior, you are up under a curse that is over the whole human race that does not know Christ as their Savior. But Paul states this. Here's the good news. That's, kind of, that's sad. That puts an indictment on the whole human race. But look what Paul said. Christ become a curse for you. That means He took the penalty. He's become the curse for you. 
So you have two choices. Try to keep the law forever and be cursed. Or you can let Christ become the curse for you. I know this is old timey preaching. But that's all you're going to get from this pulpit. You're not going to get any modern preaching from me. I'm going to stick to the old past and the old way of what God's Word says. And that's what God's Word says. I hope that you, that you can see now that you cannot afford to miss the truth of the cross. Number five, the place of redemption. The cross is a place of redemption. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under law, to redeem them who are under the law. Look at that word, redeem. To redeem them who were under the law, and that we might receive the adoption of sons. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not going to press on this point much because it's just so simple. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and now you've been adopted into the family of God. You take on all the blessings of Abraham, you are now part of the family. That means we're brothers. When we call each other brothers and sisters, we mean it. I know that we can get so numb and used to just saying it, oh, Sister Mary or Brother Glenn, and we just say that out of habit. But maybe we need to stop and think just a minute. It means something. We're part of a family, an extended family. And sure, we're going to have our problems as a family. Do you know a perfect family? I don't. <laughs> Come hang out with my, no, my in-laws. Come hang out with my in-laws. <laughs> I said that because my wife ain't in here. But there's no perfect family. Mine, yours, nobody. The church family, the human side of it, we're not perfect. But our elder brother is perfect. And he makes us all one. And, the, and your redemption is not complete yet. You have something lying ahead in glory that all this will be, it'll be full and in the fullness and complete when you're redeemed in glory. Now, the cross is a place of offense. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 11. And I, brethren, have I yet preached circumcision? Why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Paul was saying if he preached circumcision, then he would not have been persecuted. It's hard for me to grasp why the cross is so offensive considering what was done for me there. Is Over the years, I've been doing this, I'm working on 14 years as a pastor. And I, I stand in amazement when I hear things like we make too much of the cross. I stand more bewildered when I look at preachers and I hear things coming from, forth from the pulpit and maybe not necessarily so much what they're preaching, but what's missing. I love you, each and every one of you. We're brothers and sisters. I could not go home knowing that I've told you a lie. Why? Because something inside of you is so very precious. There's something inside of every one of you here this morning that's more precious than gold and silver and anything in this world. And it's called your soul. Or in your spirit. 
Those things you can put no value on. Why? That song we sang this morning, where the soul never dies. It's never going to die. That way you think, that feel, that thing you know that's inside of you that lives and breathes and makes you who you are. It will never die. It goes on for eternity. When you close your eyes and sleep on this side of eternity, it continues on. It will never, ever die. And I can't put no... I can't explain in human words of how valuable that is. And I want you to make heaven your home. You may get mad at me. You may run out that door and think I'm the worst human being ever been. That's okay. Knowing that if I told you the truth and that's why somebody's mad at me, I hope you love me for it. But whatever you choose, whichever direction you take, I want to know this. I want to know that I've told you the truth. And I'm telling you that the truth of Christ and Him crucified will not only bless you here, and it opens all of heaven's resources here on this earth, including the tangible things, but it also, more importantly, opens up heaven's gate, if you will, to you. So one day, all of us will stand around that throne where the Bible says there was a number that no man could number, and they begin to sing and praise Him forever. What a glorious... Do you want to miss that event? What a glorious event that's going to be. It seems the cross is an offense to the unsaved and to the ungodly. So I want you to think a little bit deeper there what I just said. If there's somebody that is claiming to be a Christian and they think the cross is an offense, they're not saved. They're not. I'll leave that up to God. I can't make that judgment call into eternity. But that's what the written Word of God says. They're just not saved. Why? Because the cross cuts every human effort to shreds. It says you can't earn this. There's not a thing you can do, Pharaoh, to earn your way to heaven. Not a thing. You'll serve me because you love me and because I've asked you to, but those efforts don't redeem me. And again, that's why Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Christ and Him crucified. Last but not least, we've made a full circle all the way through the book of Galatians this morning. Back to that verse that I read to you earlier. Verse 14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified and I unto the world. Paul found himself Let me back up. Paul had many accomplishments. Now, the average preacher, what I'm about to tell you, would have gave them a big head. And this man's bringing the message of the cross to to the church. He's basically forming the church as we know it. He's going from town to town and setting up churches. He's seeing thousands and thousands of people saved. He's seeing people baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's seeing people healed rose from the dead. He's seeing miracle after miracle. He gets in bad situations and God delivers him. They're sitting in jail cells and he miraculously, supernaturally gets out. This man had 
for the average preacher, he would have had a big head. But not Paul. Paul found nothing in himself to glory about. That's what the cross does. The cross brings you to this place. You know what, Pharaoh? There ain't a single thing inside of you that you can stand up and glory about. Not one thing. Paul had many accomplishments, and to be entrusted with the message of the cross to the churches, yet he gloried in none of that. Everything Paul had become, he knew he had to honor the crucified Christ. Notice what Paul had become. If you read those ver- uh, words in that verse, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world, it's a little bit hard to translate that into modern English, but here's what it means. Because of his cross, the world is dead as far as I'm concerned, and I am dead as far as the world is concerned. See, the cross is the separation between you and the world. And the world literally thinks you have died off. What happened to them? Where did they go? Why did they change so much? And then you on the other side of this is, <laughs> that is just nothing but a dead old world that I was in. And thank God He has delivered me. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me out of that, that, that mud and muck and mire that I was in. You delivered me. Now, now I have a life to live. Now I know what I'm, I'm doing. Now you brought clarity to my life. Now I serve this risen Savior. Thank you for transforming me from that old person that I was into this new creation in Christ. And Lord, help me to keep straight on this path till that day, till that day comes that I can look you in the eye and bow down before you you say thank you master amen if you would stand with me hallelujah this brings us to the end of this sermon don't forget to help us in our effort to bring the message of the cross to the world we need your prayers and financial gifts to make that happen also be sure to check out our website schedule and prayer wall while you are here on power of the cross radio we stream great christian music and sermons all day every day again Thank you for joining us today. May God bless you and keep you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. Visit them on the web at cfministry.com.